This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomotu, NPR. If you're a fan of NPR, listening to our podcasts and live stream has never been easier. Just search for accessmedia.nz on the App Store or Google Play and download the app with the Kiwi Fruit logo. Once you've got it, pick Manawatu People's Radio from the list of stations and go find your new favourite show. Korero, welcome to the catch-up on Manawatu People's Radio. Tereo Irorangi Onatangata o Manawatu. It is a Wednesday morning. I'm a bit off-kilter because obviously Wellington anniversary means I think it's Tuesday in my own head. Uh, but it is Wednesday and we're reminded of that fact because we have Matthew Dallas, the regional editor for the Manawatu Standard, in the studio this morning at the Matthew. Good morning, Fraser. Um, are you feeling the effects of a short week? Because, I mean, it's a short week, but there's a lot of news going on at the moment. There is a lot of, a lot of news. I did work Monday, so it's, I'm, ah. still, um, I'm still on the right day. Fair yeah. enough. Um, yeah, I mean, a, a bit of a glib mention, but obviously the, the transition to the, the red traffic light, uh, you'll have been busy not only in reporting that, but, of course, your operation will look subtly different in, in, a, in a lot of ways as well. Yeah, I mean, we're still out reporting and uh, just encouraging staff to take all precautions. Um, yeah, so you had us last week, but very busy with um, first the spec- uh, there's like a speculation and the suggestion that we had an Omicron case in Manawatu mm-hmm. and then that was confirmed. So And then a second um, and then a third. Second and a third. You can and, tell uh, how quick this is going because on the homepage of the Manawatu standard, the top stories, uh, the, the, the stories second case confirmed and third case confirmed are on the front page. Yeah, and but I guess it could have got, um, it could have escalated a lot. I suppose worse and quicker mm-hmm. um, the last few days, so that's quite thankful. I think early because there was nine or ten locations of interest, boom at the start, and you're kind of thinking, "Oh my goodness, this is gonna, this might grow quite quickly." But it seems to have been contained to I guess one family who are I think you know living outside of Palmerston North, and mm-hmm. um, that's where obviously the second and third cases have come from, which is. Um, Expected, I suppose, that's reassuring in a sense. The uh, the it, it is hard not to profile or stereotype uh, the type of person that uh, was uh, creating these locations of interest by the locations they were going to. Lots of Bunnings and Repcos and yeah. Yes, I mean you could. I guess uh, I guess everyone does their internal profiling sort of thing. And so if you're going to put money on it, you'd say it was a man who possibly worked in the trades um, or I think a courier was another you mm-hmm. know, possibility we, we thought of but um, um, yeah there was certainly a theme to, theme to that and obviously where well, there was one cafe involved and and they felt quite a few re- repercussions I think in terms of customage uh, patrons um, you know from over the, that past week and so the owner of um, Cafe 116 was, we interviewed them for the paper today yeah she done that it's on the front page yes, isn't it uh, talking about just the stigma of um, you know kind of being associated to Omicron and I think um, she felt the burden of I think being having I think news hub vans you know mm. cameras outside her shop three days in a row um, and just everything which comes with that so yeah there's kind of getting a bit of context and um, just re- reminding people that really could have happened to, to any business and she was doing her shop was doing everything all the taking all the precautions she could and it uh, could happen to anyone and it 
probably will hit it into probably anyone. will yes um, another thing uh, Adam Blackwell and uh, George Hegney were reporting on the the various cancelled events uh, for the summer I mean we're just we're not getting a summer this year are we no, it's almost like a, it's like deja vu from mm. 2020 because I can remember the, pretty much the exact same stories, um, but without the Omicron sort of context and, it was r- and red lights. F- Festival of Cultures in 2020 just snuck in like day – was it a day before we the, the announcement to move? Yeah, I think it may have just got in. I think, I think the Rural Games didn't. Mm. Um, and I know uh, field days, which yep. we still – still stuff still to make a decision on that, but that was obviously scrapped 2020. Um, Relay for Life, it's another one that's going to be in the, um, I guess, has a big decision to make. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but certainly, I mean, the big one right now is just the, the team's champs, which I think had got through last in 2020 yep. and is, is such a, a big uh, economic boom for, well, this, for the city. This is the thing, I mean, and, and I'm, I am one of the people that tends to err on the side of, oh, it's just a sport, it's just a, you know, don't worry about it, it'll be back. But there are serious economic implications, particularly when it's not just one event, but a whole swathe of them. Um, uh, hearing on RNZ a um, couple of days ago, uh, Wings Over Wanaka, uh, you know, that's a huge boon to the economic development of, of that part of the South Island. I mean, they're going to struggle through winter now. Yeah, no, it's going to be I think, tough, tough all around. There's going to be very few, um, few events where mm-hmm. they can, I guess, um, have the luxury of deciding that having an audience or a crowd um, doesn't matter. Um, there'll be some sports that can can go on, but being able to I guess, manipulate a crowd into groups of under a hundred people is um, yeah, it's impossible for some. I think the days of putting plywood down the middle of the Regent Theatre are somewhat over. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, as you say, team champs, uh, festival of cultures won't be happening this year. The rural games won't be happening. Uh, NPR are we're planning on on supporting a number of community events this year. Huanui um, have a big community picnic that's been cancelled. Um, there's meant to be a street art festival in Fielding in late March. There's discussions around whether that will continue at the moment. We're also meant to be support, supporting the Kimbolton uh, Sculpture Festival. They're going to be discussing that over the coming weeks. Because this is, I mean, the other thing is we don't know how long we're going to be in red for. And But the, 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 the narrative seems to be many weeks. It certainly seems to be that we're expecting things to get worse before they get better. Mm. Yes. Um, have, has anyone uh, on the team managed to speak to anyone at the DHB around preparedness? Because, I mean, they're, t- they're talking silly numbers. When this takes hold, we're talking silly numbers as it escalates. Yeah, I mean, we got um, some comment, I think, on uh, Friday, the, the Saturday paper around the, the preparedness and setting up a, ce- a thing, a se- centre. Um, I mean, there wasn't too much detail in what that mean to how many beds were kind of you know would 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 be prepared um but for the most part we're kind of getting you know these regular updates are, are mainly around the, the the testing the um the boosters which mm. um encouragingly over the last couple of days it has been certainly a swell at the te- at the um vaccination center which is um you know, a stone's throw from our building, so mm-hmm. we, we kind of uh, keep a, a regular look on that one. I got my, I booked my booster yesterday. Uh, looking forward to that. Um, there, it, it's becoming sort of peace of mind. I think you know, just getting that that that, that little injection and going. Right, I'm okay now. It's, if I get it, it won't be too bad, uh, hopefully. Um, let's move to happier things. Uh, George Hegney uh, went out to rural Tararua uh, following a tip about some sunflowers. 
Um, yeah, we were actually contacted by the um, by the farmer, um, Abby Hoare, who's um, used a, his half a hectare block of the farm, uh, which is kind of near near a back road, and um, planted forty seven thousand sunflower seeds uh, back in I think November, October, November, and they're all. Uh, well, most of them have now, you know, they've shot up and they're all facing east and lo- looking glorious. And it's, um, well, it's also a little bit of a, I suppose, a side business for them because they're taking bookings um, to go, you know, to have, go and have your Instagram photographs and all that yes. sort of thing uh, done amongst them. But uh, she also was concerned just about the, the, the amount of motorists who just speed down their road. There's a level crossing. No one pays it any mind. Mm-hmm. This way, at least people are maybe slowing down and looking at the glorious sunflowers and, um, yeah, and it certainly made David Unwin, our, our photographer, got some um, yeah beautiful shots and got the drone up and um, yeah, it's a nice bit of uh, I suppose radiant yellow light amongst the red light um, <laughs> to, to, to start the week. And well uh, it's good to have those just those stories of um, of just mm. joy, really. Um, I mean, you say even. there's a sideline there for sort of Instagram photos, but I mean, do, do they harvest them? I mean, are they going to be doing anything with them? Um, oh, you can. I think you can buy. I'm not too sure how much they are each, but you, you can you can purchase a bunch of sunflowers, and um, I think she's looking to you know maybe um, be more ambitious next for mm-hmm. next summer. Very good. Uh, we are here with Matthew Dallas uh, from the Manawatu 2 Standard, looking at what they've been reporting on in the last uh, well since last year because this is the first catch-up of 2022 uh, if you want to listen to this or previous editions of the catch-up series head to the website mpr.nz forward slash show forward slash catch-up we're also on Spotify uh, Apple Podcasts wherever you get your online listening a uh, couple of Massey stories uh, in the past week or so George Hegney has been up there uh, first off speaking to Nigel French who is assisting with the genomics tracing, a term I didn't know about last year, um, but looking at genomic testing and tracing for the coronavirus. Yes, it's just a kind of an interesting, um, yeah, you can't, I guess, have a, have a local person who was involved in that intricate um, tr- tracing of, you know, of cases and look at looking, you know, I guess putting that web together of seeing what cases are link, linked to, to others. And mm-hmm. um, I, yeah, I mentioned it's a highly involved and hot, you know, somewhat stressful Vocation, so it's good, nice to get that sort of uh, perspective of someone local involved. And I was just reading earlier another story on stuff this morning, um, and juxtaposition to that was the uh, the, amount, the lab workers who were doing all the COVID tests and how highly, I think, uh, you know, worn out and oh, stressed yeah. some of the, some, some of they are with just the constant repetition of opening vials and, and that sort of thing. And so, and, and that's an, another argument, I guess, um, that the uh, opposition could be using to support rapid antigen testing. Taking the heat off the people doing those the, the the nasal swab ones, I can't remember what they're called. Yeah, I mean, it would certainly, I guess, it would take take a bit of pressure off, particularly if there's just going to be a surge in and mm-hmm. and test, testing. But then I guess that you've got the line from uh, the the government and um, there's at least one scientist I heard on the radio this morning just saying how unreliable the the yes. antigen ones are in terms of false negatives, false false positives, and yeah, I mean, I suppose the last thing we need is every everyone doing um. 
Yeah, and getting that and false sense of uh, security by going, oh, well, look, it says negative. <laughs> no. Um, so, yeah, this is Nigel French, who's uh, assisting with the genomic uh, tracing. And I guess it's uh, one of those stories where it's nice for Massey to be able to dispel the myth that those that can't do teach. Um, <laughs> because the, here's a, an evidence of, of and, and, and not the only evidence either. We've been quite privileged over the past few weeks to be speaking to people from Massey about the work that they're doing. Uh, we spoke to oh, Regina Scavens, uh, who released uh, Man in the Pacific, that, that wonderful, uh, colourful book of uh, proverbs from across the Pacific as well. There's a heap of work coming out from that place, isn't there? The, the institution on the hill. There is. And, I mean, we've, uh, we've found uh, Professor David Heyman, a uh, uh, um, yeah, re- really good re- resource throughout the pandemic, um, sort of an expert on Viruses, particularly coming from you know from animals, because mm-hmm. uh, he's from the professor at the, the veterinary school there, um, and we spoke to him you know, on Friday. And I think it's just I I know myself I I like to be able to get some advice or guidance you know from someone in, who who is in our region mm-hmm. um, rather than it constantly being from you know the beehive or the um, you know from from Auckland or Wellington. And um, uh, yeah, I think it's having Professor Heyman. Yeah, you know, his perspective and giving some context has been uh, has really been valuable. Uh, I think for our readers, I've, I, I have uh, on occasion joked about the the, sort of, the the journalistic integrity versus the unnecessary way in which people introduce Michael Baker. Now they always have to say epidemiologist from the University of Otago, Michael Professor Michael Baker. It's like, yeah, I think we all know who he is now. It's like having to give Ashley Bloomfield his full title. You know, he, get, he does get hit up a lot. <laughs> oh, yes, um, sticking with Massey. Um, uh, George Hegney, as I say, w- was up there and has realised that you cannot say cheating anymore. It is an academic integrity breach. Thank you very much. And apparently there's more of them than there used to be. Yes, I think we're looking at the numbers um, uh, through the last several years where I think there was maybe I think 17 cases uh, three, four years ago and now they haven't got the full numbers for 2021, but it's up to around sort of 60, 70. Um, wow, 2019, that's 2020. Huge. Um, and I think it probably confirms that um, you know probably that the perception that there is a bit of a, an online industry these days mm. around um, get, getting um, you know with a test done for you or you know, just being provided with a. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know how exactly it works, but uh, I mean, people yeah, have, having someone else even set it for you if it's if it's being done online, it's yeah. just very hard to, and I imagine very expensive for the for the for, for universities to try to monitor and uh, police. I mean, uh, there is obviously, I mean, if someone's going to cheat, sorry, breach, then they always will. But is this a sign, particularly looking at when the the data was collated, that that students are are stressed? They they maybe feel that with the turbulent uh, environment we're in with the pandemic and everything else, that they're just, they're stressed out. They feel that they lack the confidence and they turn to a desperate measure to try and get through. Yeah, that's only one of one of the um, suggestions that's been put put forward. Is that uh, between the pandemic and probably reduced time in you know uh, lectures and tutorials and um, you know lockdowns that uh, um, some people have had tried to take a um, I suppose whether it's a shortcut or a a more more, you know a way through it that. Mm. 
do- doesn't involve the uh, the added stress of going and sitting the exam and risking failure. Do we know if this mirrors a, a national trend? Um, I know, you know, in terms of not only other universities but also secondary schools as well. Their exams have just come. Exam results have just come out. We heard last year that I think, in particular, some schools up in Auckland, uh, students would be able to get, in essence, what I used to call a compensated pass for some subjects if they felt that they hadn't. They, they wouldn't be able to perform in the exam. You know, we're in a different space now. Yeah, no, it'd be really interesting. I think we will be looking to get those sort of that data around um, how how many students have tried tried to um, um, you get get a I don't know the, the term they use, but yeah, I guess a, a score or a mark that mm-hmm. um, sort of circumvents the exam because they're either not equipped to to do it. Um, but I, I would imagine this certainly be, would have been a you'd expect there to be an a uh, bit of an increase the last couple of years, and I'm not too sure how, in terms of the exams themselves, how, you know, what sort of resources schools and, um, you know, the qualifications authority can, can kind of put into the, the monitoring of around cheating mm. um, in the same way as universities. Integrity breaches. Yes, and I was just when I was reading the story, all I could think back was when I was at university, which didn't seem that long ago, in the, uh-huh. in the, like, the late 90s, but sitting there doing an exam with a pen, Scribbling, handwriting, um, you know, writing essays and yep. uh, and answers all in ink, and just mind boggles at how how much how much it's uh, how much it's changed. Yeah, I don't. Please don't. I, I'm getting awful flashbacks to, to my moments. Um, let's uh, move on. Uh, looking to Himitangi Beach. This was one that um, I feel quite guilty about. Uh, about. Uh, Sinead Gill wrote a story uh, about uh, Himitangi Beach and in particular uh, the, the, sort of the run-up to the big dig, uh, which happens every year there. But people taking wildly inappropriate vehicles onto the beach, getting stuck, um, wonderfully generous community out there, you know, although begrudgingly they went out there and towed the vehicles off the beach, that's great, but they're getting kind of peeved. Yeah, there seems to be, a, I think, a misconception or a, um, just an increase in um, confidence in people's uh, vehicles that aren't four-wheel drive, uh, thinking they can kind of get them onto Himitangi Beach, and it's not, uh, yeah, it's not the easiest beach to get your vehicle onto in terms mm. of getting through the, um, some, of the, some of the deeper sand, and so I think... The number that really stood out was, I think, uh, it was like 40-something, 40, 40 to 50 cars had to be towed off on New Year's Day, mm-hmm. which they were uh, very fearful of a repeat uh, for the big dig and then coming up for, for Waitangi um, weekend is for the long weekend there because uh, that's also popular. But um, we did actually catch up with them after the big dig and uh, there was a vast improvement in um, driver um, awareness. And I think the only vehicle that got stuck um, on Saturday was the ice cream truck. <laughs> so, so. And no one would have been upset at helping the ice cream truck. I wonder if the person that towed it out got a free one. Yes, but it's, it's just interesting. I find, um, and I think because it's such a long beach that there is that um, enthusiasm to take vehicles on. And I mean, we were at Foxton Beach over, over summer and just and went for a walk and I think every thirty meters there would be another, you know, a four, you know usually a four wheel drive, a family just wanting their own own spot. And you, I can kind of, I can get it easier now than when I probably first moved to the region because coming from Hawkes Bay, no one, the only vehicles you saw on the beach were the tractors putting the boats in. So yep. um, it's just a bit of a different culture um, on this coastline, and because it's such a long coastline, I think. Mm. Um, but I think so long as yeah, people are keeping their cars away, from, you know, one using cars that can get on the sand, and two keeping them away from bathers and the flags. Um, 
sort of the main thing. Yeah. Uh, I, n- not Hemitangi, but uh, me and Tangi Moana have unfinished business because uh, that's where I found out that the four-wheel drive on my car didn't work. Uh, thank you to the various people that pulled me out. Um, moving swiftly on. Oh, bad memories all around. Uh, we are here on the catch-up with Matthew Dallas from the Man with Two Standard, finding out what they've been reporting on in the last week or so. Um, let's touch on the new bus service for fielding uh, some nice pictures there of Horizons councillors and Manawatu district councillors all getting their photos taken uh, beside this new bus, which, I mean, it doesn't sound like big news, but they have been angling for this for years uh, it, because there was a service that went from Palmy to fielding, um, but didn't. there was no sort of just an, an orbital service in fielding. And it is growing. I mean, fielding is getting bigger, so it kind of makes sense. Yeah, it's certainly worth a, um, worth a crack. And obviously day one, the photos look great because it was um, full of mayors and uh, regional councillors sitting on the bus, so it was looking chocker. But I guess, you know, the proof of the pudding is in the eating. And uh, I guess over the coming months, it'll be interesting to um, see what the patronage holds up like. And um, as you were saying yesterday, someone would be great. We'll have to at some point get a reporter just to go ride the bus and yeah. talk, talk to a few punters on it and um, – See how um, what what a difference it has it was making uh, in their lives. I had a quick look at the uh, the route last night, and you know it looked like a pretty sensible route around mm-hmm. fielding. And I kind of thought, oh, well, I guess you know my kids could um, make use of this potentially as well, rather than. Uh, necessarily, you know, scootering for a few k yep. on, a, on a hot day. Oh well, active mm. recreation—that's yep. the thing we're all about now. Um, I, I gather that the the route is also taken into account the the growth of fielding and where the new suburbs and developments are going to be, and it's sort of airing on that side as well. Yes, you know, I mean, certainly it's getting out past the, um, you know, around the, you know, see the high school and the some of the newer subdivisions. Um, I guess, and they'll just have to, you know, I guess they'll adapt the loop. We're needed as as new new neighbourhoods kind of come online. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think because I had a look. He said I couldn't see a timetable up there on the website as yet. So maybe okay. that was still just coming that day. But um, so I'm not too sure if you you know how often. You, I think it's a 30 minute loop, isn't it? From what from what I recall, possibly. I know yeah. I know it it runs a fairly sense. Is it from seven till nine or nine till seven? I can't remember. You have to look at the manwithtwostandard.co.nz and read the article yourself. But it looks like it runs for a significant portion of the day, Monday to Friday, and it says it's running at weekends as well, so Saturday and Sunday, uh, which yes. is a surprise for fielding because nothing's open on a Sunday in fielding. You know, Sunday's pretty usually pretty sleepy, but um, I guess it gives, but you know. Getting to get into the supermarket um, and that sort of thing. Might, Sunday might be the the only day for uh, for someone who you know doesn't have access to a vehicle, mm-hmm. um, isn't retired, uh, says working working during the week. So it does, and the stops do include um, in the supermarkets. Uh, I think one of the big retirement villages in terms of visiting relatives. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, yeah, a few key schools and stuff are on that route as well. And I, I would hope that there will be a, a suitable uh, transfer point to get a, from somewhere in Fielding to Palmy. That you'd be able to change buses at some point. Yeah, you'd like to think they've um, they've synced it in, so you can you can get off at a stop and then you jump on the on, on the bus that comes into the city. 
And uh, you obviously you said you'll be following this up to see what the patronage is. Uh, pretty handy then that they introduced the buzz card. I know um, Sam Ferguson from Horizons was there on the launch of this fielding one, but Horizons have been quite big on this buzz card because not only do you know when people get on the bus, but you also know when they get off. Uh, and that will add to the, the, the data to, to bring this in because there wasn't a lot of data to justify the start of the service, this was just a call from the people of Fielding to get the bus started. Yeah, it was just um, just came a call from from the community, and I guess now it's time to make sure that that uh, that call was representative of um, you know a decent amount of people and not just um, you know a noisy few. Mm. Um, so yeah, I, guess I imagine they'll be monitoring the data pretty closely. Of course, the other turn-off, which uh, I think, it, I don't want to misquote her, but I believe it was Mayor Helen Warboys was quoted in the standard as saying, uh, it looks too much like a Palmerston North bus. Yes, so yeah, I'm not too sure what she she might have in mind for a, what, a, what a fielding bus looks like, but it, it may, as, as mentioned, it may involve a mural by... Um, <laughs> yes, Joe McMahon, if you're listening. From, uh, from fielding, um, or maybe something tied into the sale yards, you know, you could... But I'm assuming that it won't be the same bus every day that goes to fielding. It will be one of the is it transit fleet vehicles. So, you know, it, it, it kind of has to look like a Barmy bus, doesn't it? Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know much about, um, you know, the, the bus system and the engineering, but I would have thought because I guess the orbital bus will be doing pretty low speed mm-hmm. kind of circuit every, you know, every day that they'd want it. You know, shift it up between the different buses so they all get all have kind of a quiet day in fielding, and then they get to um, get on get on the on the highways and um, you know go, go at one hundred k between between the towns and, and vary it Boy, up between the, the buses. We used but, to call that, yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, very good. Well, there we go. Fielding has its new bus service, uh, and I also noticed on that article there was a photograph of Sam Ferguson from Horizons. It's Saul Mohawk. Uh, which he had for a very long time. I remember uh, Zoom interviewing him a couple of years ago. Resplendent uh, vertical hair, but that's all gone now, which is a bit of a shame. Uh, We should give a brief nod to the fire in the gorge on Monday. Uh, This was carried by the Dom Post. Um, But uh, bizarre to see a fire starting out that way, kind of because it must be fairly well monitored out there at the moment with all the work going on. Yeah, and there'll be, I mean, lots of, um, you know, popular walking mm. tracks and stuff are around there as well. So whether it was, uh, we were still, I guess, waiting for a bit more information from the fire service around the exact location. As you would, yes. Whether it was on the on the road or whether it was on a, you know, whether someone's was walking a track and made a poor call to, I don't know, you have a little barbecue or, or mm. something. But um, the, the fact that they sent out the fire trucks rather than just a helicopter would suggest that it was fairly accessible by the road. So, um yeah, I don't know whether it was just someone playing silly buggers or... Um, so, I mean, because this is the other thing. There was no real indication of the location. It was just the yeah. gorge. So we don't know if it was on the state highway, if it was on the railroad tracks, if it was up in the bush. We had no idea where. No. Um, and, I mean, is that unusual for the fire service not to give that level of information so quickly or...? Um, it kind of depends who you're, who you're speaking to. I mean, yeah, it can get a bit variable in terms mm. of... Uh, Information, um, particularly even just like fires in neighbourhoods, you'll get um, you you get street address and a few, few specifics from some people, and then others uh, will say it's a uh, like a matter of privacy, not to give 
in the street, which is um, the pure of smoke. It, it, yeah, it's not. It's an absolute nonsense. So, uh, the, per- the the perils and trials and tribulations of being a journalist. Um, but yes, yeah, so hopefully we will find out more information on that. But uh, I get the impression that might be somewhat unlikely. Yeah, we we may even you know, go have a look ourselves and see what we can see. Very good. Uh, there we go, uh, Matthew Dallas uh, from the Manawatu Two Standard. Thank you for joining us on the catch up this morning. Not a problem. Thank you. And remember, if you want to listen to this or previous editions of the catch up series, just head to the website npr.nz forward slash show forward slash catch up. Uh, we will be back tomorrow with another edition. If I turn the page, I can tell you that we are speaking to Mayor Helen Warboys uh, from Manawatu District Council. So we'll try and find out what she thinks of the buses uh, firsthand. We've also got uh, MP for Palmerston North, Tangi Utikeri, on the way on Friday morning at half past eight. Uh, hopefully we'll get some more uh, pandemic-related announcements and interpretations of the announcements because, good Lord, things are uh, moving apace. Uh, that's it for the catch-up this morning. If you want to listen to this or previous editions of the catch-up series, just head to the website npr.nz forward slash show forward slash catch-up. Join us tomorrow at half past eight. Bye for now. Support this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate.